Well, we are uh, diving in second week here. Um, Sarah set this whole series up um, beautifully, and we're making no apology for diving into looking at the whole area of, of, of finance and the, and the resource of our lives, but in particular, zeroing in and, and focusing in on, on money. And uh, it's, uh, it's something that uh, the church has, uh, has done one of two things. It's either uh, talked about badly, uh, it's hitting either one extreme in terms of, of teaching, or just sidestepped and avoided it because it, it feels tricky or embarrassing to talk about money. But we're diving into this because we really believe there's something really strategic about the season we're in. Um, and, and this morning, I want to talk about um, making first things first. Sounds very obvious, cliche, but there's a spiritual principle and reality in this message and the simplicity of this message that I want us to take hold of individually and corporately because of the season we're in. I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I talked to us as a community about um, prophetically feeling like we're in this season of transition and the spring clean and, and moving from one season into next. And there was a, a getting ready. And one of those things that I felt like the Lord was impressing on us as a community was the need for us to move from principle to practice. That there's many things that we own as Christians, as ones that follow Jesus in the realm of theory or principle or ideology or thinking, that for many of us, we haven't moved into a space and a place where that thing that we have a theory over, it has a practical rooting in our lives. And one of the things that I'm believing for in this season is that a reflection of some of the theory and, and principle we might have around, around God's instruction around our finances would be something we would take seriously because of the season we're in. Again, Sarah framed this so beautifully last week. Luke 16, 11 says this. I'll read it in a couple of translations, but this is where we kind of started a little bit last week, framing why this is so important that we kind of talk about money and talk about finance. Luke 16, 11, and the NIV says this. So I have, um, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? The Passion Translation says it like this. If you've not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with eternal treasures of the spiritual world? Listen, something has to come first. You know, if we are stepping into, and I believe we're stepping into, I believe we're seeing a shift, the number of people that are, are encountering Jesus for the first time. Just a, a month ago, when over 40 kids said yes to Jesus at our Easter celebration. You know, times when we're saying, yeah, it's exciting. I feel like we're shit. You know, the, the, as Sam mentioned, the people that we hear testimonies back in worship of, of God touching them and physically healing them. The way in which the, at the moment I'm having conversations with people that are being inspired by kingdom creation to, to solve city problems with kingdom solutions. Like we're accelerating in what God's doing here with us. And it's not simply unto, uh, unto uh, doing church more, it's unto transformation of this city. Listen, something has to, be, has to come first. I want to be found trustworthy in handling worldly wealth because I want to see true riches in this city. I want to see eternal treasures of spiritual uh, of the spiritual world show up in this city. I want to see the riches of the kingdom of heaven break out in and through our lives in this city. I want to see lives transformed. I want to see a city reformed. I want to see poverty and crime erased. I want to see sickness, loneliness, 
and injustice dealt with. I want to see our friends, our neighbours, those that we go to work with every day come into a fresh new relationship with Jesus. I want to see these true riches in my life. And there's a clue in, these, in this scripture right here that if I want to see these true riches, if we want to see an acceleration of these true riches, we have to set in motion first things first. We have to get in order how we, how we fundamentally deal with, with integrity, finance. You know, this is a principle that we're not just simply saying, hey, let's, let's catch up on the theory of what the Bible has to say, but we're saying, Lord, would you take this principle and would you attach it and build it into the fabric of how I do life, how we do life? You know, ultimately, I believe, and what I was seeing in this church and seeing his city, is we're coming into an exciting time of what God is doing in his kingdom through us. And I don't want to see that in any way constricted or constrained because I haven't dealt with first things first that I haven't paid attention to how I steward worldly wealth. You know, this principle has so much riding on it that we can't afford to bury our head in the sand. And so that's why we're being upfront. That's why we're talking about money for the next few weeks. But before we dive into that this morning, I thought we'd have a little bit of fun with you. Um, I, um, I recently was thinking about a career change. I was thinking about uh, what happens if I was to ditch this whole thing and go do something different. I thought about becoming an estate agent. So I thought I'd work, uh, I'd, I'd practice a little bit with you this morning. I want to try and sell you some properties. I uh, found a couple of properties on uh, the Dorset coast that I feel like you may be interested in, perhaps even by way of a holiday home, something like that. So I have a few photos. I want to walk you through this together this morning and see if I can sell you a property or two. So the uh, the first picture uh, is right here. Uh, this is on the beautiful Dorset coastline. Beautiful. And what we have here, as it says, is a charming three-bedroom uh, sea view home. It is, it's a three-bedroom home. It's a half a bathroom home, uh, but it, it's a, a very, very promising uh, property. Um, I will say this, that some of you may be sitting there thinking, um, Phil, this house does not look safe, but I want to assure you this house is in one of the safest communities in the whole of Dorset. So allay your fears there. Um, one of the reasons that uh, this, this house, given the nature of its sea views and, and the safety uh, of the area that it's in, is I would highly recommend this to be a place where you could, you could raise children. So um, you could raise children in this home. Just think about that. Just think about the times when you could gather together, maybe in this, uh, maybe as a holiday home, maybe at, uh, you could get together during uh, some of the holiday seasons, maybe Easter, perhaps even Christmas. You could uh, find your way to this beautiful property uh, in, on, on the Dorset coast. Now remember the uh, sea view, it's beautiful. I want to show you uh, another picture, the, the same property, uh, just to give you a little bit more of a sense of scale. Again, the sea view is phenomenal, but again, there's a few things there just to help uh, give you a sense of scale of the, of the property uh, there. But again, it's beautifully positioned on the coast. Uh, let's look at actually the, its next door neighbor is also, funnily enough, on the market. So we can look at that property now. Uh, this is a unique property. You have, uh, you know, how uh, many properties these days are open plan lounges, open plan <laughs> dining rooms. It's very in right now to have open plan. Well, this has an open plan shower room. 
Not many people are working with this, but it's something that I feel is going to really catch on. So open plan, um, and also with that as well, it, it's so open plan. Uh, if we can go to the next picture, it's uh, look at the sheer grandeur of that uh, of that bathroom. Look at the space that it uh, allows for you to have, the freedom it allows you to have. Excellent. Anyway, next photo is actually the property next door. Um, one of the things about these properties, they weren't actually intentionally originally built with basements. But as you can see, uh, the homeowner of this particular property over time has developed a basement. Um, it, and again, the house just flows, you know, it just flows. You, you kind of walk into the main living spaces, then just straight into the basement. It just flows and also uh, added utility room, as you can see there as well. Moving back to the other property we looked at before, I just want to again remind ourselves of the space that it uh, allows for us. Again, open plan in all of these. But a couple of cupboards there, we could remove those, put some 60-inch plasmas on there. You've just got a really cool family room. And again, ideal for the family. Um, you can see there, obviously. Uh, you know, family gatherings, you know, be it Easter, be it Christmas. Uh, it, it works for all occasions. Let's step outside one of the properties. Many people are, are keen to have a good exterior space. So let's take a look at that. Obviously, uh, beautiful space. The sea view, again, I want to highlight there. It draw your attention away from perhaps, you maybe wouldn't choose that sofa. That's okay. Just think of the sea <laughs> the sea view there. And again, remember, great place outside space for children. We want to make sure we have outside space for children. And also, also for those times when you get together for alfresco dining uh, at Christmas. Uh, just plenty of space. And uh, the final picture, again, just to give you some context and again, for you to zoom back and just take a look at that view. Pretty special. Now, um, I, I know you're, you're probably saying right now, uh, where do I sign? I want all three. I realize that. One of the things that we have to identify as a problem with each one of those, uh, those properties, I don't know if you picked it up just as we went through them, but none of them have foundations. Not one of them has a foundation. So uh, it's maybe a small hiccup. It, it might come up on a home buyer survey. I'm not sure. Uh, but just something to consider. How do I do on my house sales? Any good? Here's my point. We've got to have foundations. Listen, there is no amount of paint that you can throw at those properties that are going to make those any more worthy of purchasing. There's no amount of 60-inch plasmas you can pop on the walls that are going to make those houses appropriate to buy. They fundamentally do not have foundations. I want us to think this morning about the foundations that we're building, the, the first things first. That's the reality of what a life built with, with, with healthy, strong foundations is all about. Foundations get laid first. They're the thing that everything else is built upon. They're what gives a structure, strength, and stability. That's what a foundation is. And foundations are laid first for that very reason that, it, that there is a necessity, there's a need to, to build upon a foundation with, so that actually that, that structure can be strong and have stability. And in essence, if we, if we were buying those properties and beginning to ask the question, well, well what a, you know, yes, 60-inch plasmas, yes, I'd like to paint that in green, yes, I quite like the open plan bathroom. The reality is those are all secondary issues to the reality of its foundations. 
And so with our, with our own lives, there's no point slapping some paint on your life or thinking about reorientating where you put the kitchen of your life if you don't have foundations. There has to be the first things first. You know, when it comes to building our lives on the principles of God, we have to lay first thing first foundations. To put certain things in place first and not think about them later. And listen, when... When we're putting these principles into practice, it's no good having a theory about a foundation, right? There's no point in me getting up here an architect or, or a surveyor and having them tell you about foundations, let alone even maybe draw you what the foundations look like. If you're not going to build those foundations, having a theory about what foundations are, or even having a picture of what foundations are, it means nothing. The practice and theory of foundation has to be something we build into the fabric, the infrastructure of our lives. And in this, this series, Faithfulness to Fruitfulness, I, I want this morning to, to address that issue of first things first, to focus in on where our faith and our finances come into a great glorious collision. And I want to talk very practically about, about first fruits and the tithe. And I, for some of you, you may be sat in the room going, well, I tithe, so this is irrelevant to me. I can leave or just take a nap, either one. Let me just encourage you, this morning, if that's, if that's amazing that you've been on the journey of putting first things first in relation to the tithe, giving to God of the first of your, uh, first of your earnings. We'll talk about it in a moment, but listen. I feel like God wants to breathe a fresh sense of purpose around why you do that. That this is not a, a, a relationship of duty and obligation with the Lord. It's a relationship of trust and faith with a person. The, the, in, in the nature of how we orientate our lives and putting first things first, we're not doing it out of some sense of duty or obligation. We're doing it because we, we know and want to foster a love relationship with God. And over, over how we relate to Him, He said certain things. And He's asked us to build into the fabric of our lives certain things. And so we pay attention to those things. So this morning, if you are like, I already am well down the journey of this. I would encourage you to allow the Lord to breathe on that thing again, to renew the purpose around why you would tithe. And again, to remind you again of the faith journey you're on with God, of placing Him first. But maybe you're not. Maybe you know, you're like, oh, I don't even know what this tithe thing is and, and I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. Maybe I don't, I've, I've heard some teaching that it's not really supposed to be what we do now. And, and, but let, let me try and help you in this journey and maybe pose some questions for you to take away this morning. First fruits and the tithe is a principle you find throughout Scripture, in particular in the Old Testament. This, this idea of first fruits, the idea of the firstborn child, the idea that the first belongs to God. And that was what the tithe was. It was the, the first 10%, that very first of what, what would, uh, the, the produce, what would be produced in my life, that, that very first 10% was given over to God. And let's look at some Scriptures and I want to help you with the principle. I want to help you with the promise, but I want to help you with the practical. So the principle you find in numerous scriptures, but look at Leviticus 27 verse 30. It says this, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. 
That's the principle. The principle then followed by the promise in Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats brim over with new wine. Now the Old Testament um, was speaking into an agricultural context. You know, other translations of that verse 9 say, Honor the Lord with the fruits of your increase. And so at the time, increase, these verses would be speaking to agriculture. The increase was literally um, the crops that I would produce and harvest, and it would be the livestock that I would reproduce. That was the increase. Now, in this uh, room today, there are all sorts of jobs, all sorts of professions. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you work in a school. Maybe you're a bank. Maybe you work in a bank. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you work in a restaurant. Like There is going to be a, a vast range of jobs and professions. Your increase comes in that way. It comes from the place where you work and you earn and you find increase. But no matter how, um, how it comes, it's clear that when we honor the Lord with our first fruits, with that increase, that finance, On the other side of that obedience is a place called blessing. Very simply put. And so these are principles that we can own and understand, but that we then get to partner our lives with and walk in obedience towards. Um, The first belongs to God. We find this principle throughout God's word. And and we can give God the first of, of many things. We can give God the first of our time. But in this particular focus, we can give God, and we know that there's an instruction to give God the first of our finances. That's what the tithe is. And effectively saying, God, I'm going to give to you the first and I'm in order that I can trust you with the rest. That's effectively in the simplicity of this obedience opportunity that we have, we're effectively saying, God, I can give to you from my first in order that I would trust you with the rest. It means giving to God before you see if you're going to have enough. That's the faith and trust journey that God invites us into. That we would give to God before we even see if we have enough. And by tithing to God, we're saying, I recognize you first. I'm putting you first in my life. I give to you from my first, and I trust you to take care of the rest. And if we're going to lay a foundation in our lives, if we're going to put that first thing first, lay that foundation, if we're going to be entrusted beyond what we've laid as a foundation with true spiritual riches, if we're going to see see us individually and corporately having influence in our city, if we're going to see transformation and reformation of lives and systems and structures around us, if we're going to see those things, then it lies beyond our ability to walk in obedience to what God has said, place first. And the beauty is, I know that in every heart, in every life, there would be the, there would be the desire to place God first in every area of your life, right? This is the journey we're on. That we would desire, we'd want to say, yeah, God, I want to put you first in every area of, your, of my life. But so often the stumbling block comes in this area of, of placing God first in our finances. If we're going to be trusted in, in, in handling 
spiritual authorities, true spiritual riches in this city, we first have to know what it is to be trusted in handling our money. And this issue of the, the first fruits, the, the tithe of our increase. Tithe simply means this. It just means a, a tenth or a, a, a tenth part of something. And what comes together in these Old Testament principles is the, the principle of, of first fruits that we would give to God of the first of our, of, of our increase. And then, and then colliding into that together is this concept of the tithe. And what it does is it gives us a, it gives us a pretty clear target to aim at. That we ultimately give God the first 10% of what we earn and in doing so we outwork the principle that I recognize, God, you are first, that, God, I'm putting you first in my life, that I'm giving you from my first, and that ultimately I trust you to take care of the rest. Let's look at a passage, a um, familiar passage to many of you, Malachi 3. And um, the context, again, of, of these verses we'll read in a second is, is not simply just um, God bringing a legalistic, duty-bound set of rules to Israel. The verses we're about to read are a, are a call from a God who wants his people back, who wants a depth of relationship and connection with Israel that had been lost because they had drifted away. And in the midst of a prophetic word that comes to Israel to call the people back to the closeness of relationship, God highlights the reality of their heart situation when it came to their finances and when it came to their possessions and money. Verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you've not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you robbed me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. Again, the context of this, these verses is not instruction simply around a duty-bound, obligated group of people needing to do something to hold the covenant with God. It's in the context simply about a group of people, God's people, being connected, reconnected to him. But I love the way that those verses start right at the very beginning. It says, I am a God who does not change. It frames everything that we're about to read. It's, it says and speaks over the principle that we'll find in these verses, a God who spans time, that we would find him speaking to us today, not simply from a sense of ever having changed his mind, but a consistent God who wants to connect a principle and a practice to the way that we relate to him, that we as, as his people. I'm often surprised when people try to sidestep these verses and kind of box them off as an irrelevant Old Testament law. We've already seen in, in the verses we've looked at that, that God laid out a foundational principle 
of first things first, a principle of first fruits being his. And now we've read these verses and he talks about the tithe, this 10% belonging to him and it should be brought into the storehouse. And so for those wanting to consign these verses to no longer being relevant, when God says, I do not change, when then do those principles of God somehow change? The principle of the tithe and and the first fruits all belonging to God. This isn't an issue of the law. It's an issue of an unchanging principle established by an unchanging God. And so that's what we have to pay attention to in, in these verses is that we're not simply trying to attach ourselves to an old legalistic way of thinking. We're trying to make, become alive to the principle and heartbeat of God and find and discover those things that cause the faith, intimacy, journey that we can have with God to come alive. And that, my friends, is a place in which it comes alive when our hearts and our lives are aligned with the principle of first fruits and tithing. Let's deal really quickly with the, this issue of, of um, what is quite strong language. The Bible talks about being cursed. Verse 9, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you robbed me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food. Listen, I, I know this is challenging language, but I want to try and help simplify it for you. And maybe even soften it out for you so you can kind of embrace it. Listen. The issue for me is, is this, it's, it's two options. We either lived blessed or we lived, live not blessed. Right? Does that soften out for you a little bit? You're like, oh, cursed, that's a little heavy. We, either, we have an option, the, the reality that beyond our obedience, and this is not even just talking about the principle of our finances. I think this is the principle across the board in Scripture, that actually beyond our obedience to God is a place called the blessed life, right? So beyond disobedience, or let me soften that out, beyond not obedience is not the blessed life, all right? Is that all soft for you now and like cuddly and warm? But there's a reality, not just to this, this in terms of what God's pointing us to in terms of the principles of how we deal with our money, but I think the principle of life, that beyond our obedience to God is, the ble- is blessing. It's the blessed life. And beyond our not obedience to God is the not blessed life. So we've got some choices. We've got some choices. And it's not that God put a curse on us, but very differently, we removed ourselves from the opportunity to walk in the blessed life. And that opportunity to walk in the blessed life is what lies beyond our obedience to him. And I love that God says, challenge me, test me in this. Test me that on the other side of putting me first, test me that on the other side of your obedience, test me that on the other side of, your, uh, of you giving your first, your tithe, is a place called the blessed life. Like there's an invitation in this to come and partner with God, to walk with Him, to trust Him, to be men and women of faith, that beyond our obedience in these matters is a place called the blessed life. And there's an invitation for us to walk it out. We've been invited into a faith journey with him and it's about how we orientate our lives to simply put put the first things first, to lay a foundation on which we can build something that is sturdy and that is strong. 
that it would be the principle in our life that takes a practice where we say, I recognize God, you first. That I'm putting you first in my life. That I'm giving to you through obedience my first and I trust you to take care of the rest. And that's the invitation, but it's also where the rubber hits the road. You know, where we get to choose beyond what our lives look like beyond obedience. And the question remains, how will I respond? How, what will I do with that challenge? And maybe some of you, and again, this morning is not, this morning is not about highlighting some form of duty and obligation that you assign your life to. It's about saying there's a Father God who is inviting you into a place where you get to choose to place him first. That you get to orientate your life towards placing him first. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're some, you know, someone and you're saying, you know, I, I've never tithed before. Maybe you, you would say, you know, I, I give something, but I Sometimes, but I don't tithe. Well, there's a question for you. Maybe you hear this morning and you say, well, I, I used to tithe, but my circumstances changed. Well, in the midst of that, there's a, there's a question for you. Maybe, you. maybe you're here and you, 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 know, you, you, you tithe, but you kind of give that around to various different charities and the donkey sanctuary needs my money. And, you know, maybe there's a sense of like, oh, you know, I just kind of, no, I think, I think God's pretty prescriptive and pretty instructional around what obedience looks like when it comes to our tithe. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and going, you know, I, I've actually, I've never tithed. I, I didn't know about this. I'm exploring this with you. And I want to encourage you. There is, there's grace over every one of you in this room. And there's a grace to reorientate yourself, perhaps even this morning. And maybe you do, maybe you do tithe and that's amazing. But I, I want this morning for, for the Lord to, to breathe a new perspective on why you do. Listen, I, it took me to my mid-20s. Um, I, I, we as a family, we tithe. Um, and when I was younger, I was like, well, it's just what you have to do. Being a Christian, you have to tithe. And then I went on this journey with the Lord in my 20s. And, and I really felt like the Lord challenged me because I was very prescriptive. I was like, well, you know, it's about keeping the rules. And so it's 10% and 10% is God's and 90% is mine. Woohoo! And I'm like, oh. And then I, and then I slowly realized, listen, it's all God's anyway. He just tells me what to do with the first 10%. And this reality of relying and this faith journey of relying uh, on God is such a beautiful thing. And the question for us in all of this is, is do I want to keep 100% of my money but have God's hand remove, removed from it? Or do I, would I rather have 90% with God's blessing and protection on it? And listen, I caveat that by saying it's all his anyway. But this is, these are some of the choices that we get, to, we get to engage with. These are some of the opportunities that we get to put God first in every area of our lives, even the tricky ones. And again, as we close out this morning, I want to remind you, this is not a, this is not a fundraising drive for the church. Listen, I say it again, we said it last week, our finances have never been better as a church community, as a church family. That's amazing. But listen, you don't tithe because it's good for the church. You tithe because it's good for you. And again, not in terms of it's good because of what you get. It's good because it's a way that you get to posture your heart and place God first. It's your beautiful opportunity to orientate your life 
towards a practical reality of God is first and I trust him in every area of my life, including my finances. And tithing is that first building block that we get to lay a foundation on. Listen, guys, there's there's no point in us trying to improve our lives in a way like those houses. You know, if the foundation isn't there, let's start again. There's some foundational things to build in. Let's not put some 60-inch plasmas in our lives and throw some paint around. It doesn't fix the problem that if our foundations aren't right, then that's where we've got to start. And I want to finish by saying these four things. Tithing, it lays a foundation. Tithing, it establishes a principle and it, and it gets to outwork practically that God, you are first. Tithing establishes obedience through which we can find a blessed life. There's no real way for us to kind of get around it that actually beyond our obedience is blessing. Beyond our not obedience is not blessing. We get to choose. And in doing so, we get to put God first in some places in our life. But guys, finally, and this is what I hope will springboard us into the rest of this journey together, tithing opens the door to a generous life. Listen, I, I loved the challenge that God brought me in my early 20s, which was when I thought it was just about 10% and 90% is mine. Woohoo! It was actually about, it's all God's anyway. He just tells me very specifically what I'm supposed to do with 10%. And then the rest of the journey is, God, what does generosity look like? What does it look like to to reflect the very nature of a father God who gave his son? What does it look like to be a son of, of God who reflects his nature on the earth through my generosity? And that's what we want to explore as we kind of move through some of these weeks together. I'll say this, there is huge amounts of grace around this journey together. And so, you know, if it feels like I'm, I'm treading on your toes this morning, well, maybe your feet are in the wrong place. Maybe. But listen, there's grace for you in this journey with him. It starts by saying, God, I want desperately to place you first in every area of my life. And, and it will be about putting a plan in place. It's about being super practical. At the end of this whole series, we, uh, on two Sunday mornings, we want to run a managing your money. We want, we've done it before here in, the, in, in church, and it's using some um, Christians Against Poverty cap um, resources to help give you some tools. Listen, if you don't tithe, simply saying tomorrow, oh, well, I'm going to start doing that, that may be a challenge. And so practically thinking, well, how do I move towards that? God, if this is what you're requiring on me, if this is what you're asking, how do I move towards that? And we want to help with some practical tools that will help you budget. Listen, the reality is, is if, you, if you don't know what your budget is, then you probably don't know what your tithe is, right? So practically speaking, part of a, that journey towards putting God first might be, oh, I need to budget. <laughs> and we want to help with that. Not, we're not going to get involved in all the nitty-gritty of your finances. We just want to give you some tools so at the end of this whole series, there'll be a couple of Sundays where you can jump on and, and, and maybe you want some help with that. And we'd love to help you with that because we know this is a journey and there's grace for us to reorientate ourselves towards God's very best in our lives.